I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights and Northampton Town Audio Show. I'm Tom Reed and ahead of the Six Pointing with Wimbledon, I'm joined by three of the dons of podcasting. It's Andy Bodfish, Martin Maloney and Ian Brunt. How are you doing, guys? You OK? Hi, right, Tom. Go on, mate. Good stuff. Andy, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, he did a little bit of commentating on the Giants of Kosovo v Lithuania, was it? But there was some good football on display, wasn't there? That was terrific match. Yeah. First international date of the year this week. Yeah, it was handed the Kosovans and enjoyed it immensely. It was a really good match. They they beat Lithuania. Um, it's just really nice to get your head back into research and learning about um, a new country. Um, yeah. I've been sort of fortunate enough to commentate on a lot of different nations down the years, mainly in the, the, the Eurosport glory days. Mm. But Kosovo, reasonably new footballing nation. They're not even, in the strictest sense, a, a sort of nation, really, but um, recognised by UEFA and FIFA now, and as we know, that's all that matters. Yeah. And yeah, just just, just nice to get you heading to research and learn a little bit about them and the players and um, watch them play. And they were they were superb, very technical, yeah, um, very yeah, very skillful team, and yeah, enjoyed it immensely. I sometimes quite like watching those imagined sort of nations. Kosovo's had a Bit of a troubled past and stuff. I, I guess it was part of the old Yugoslavia, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think it was 11 of that squad last night have actually, you know, played for other nations. It, I mean, in the olden days, it was simple. You were born somewhere and you played for that country. But, yeah. Um, obviously, with the breakup of the Balkans and indeed a little bit earlier, the breakup of the Soviet Union. Yeah. You, you, you know, you get sort of um, individuals who are tied to their specific area. Uh, but you can only play for the, you know, the, the sort of motherland, which for a while was Yugoslavia and, of course, a little bit further back, Soviet Union. But now, of course, you can, you know, you can play for Montenegro or North Macedonia or Kosovo. Mm. Um, a, a lot of them are sort of what you would recognise as out identified as Albanians for years um, yeah. and, you know, families fled to all different corners of Europe to escape the, the troubles there that we all know about. Yeah. But now, of course, you can play for Kosovo. Um, the guys who have played for Norway and Sweden under 21s and particularly Switzerland, a lot of those families fled to Switzerland. You can now come back and play for Kosovo and, yeah. you know, good luck to them. Yeah, was there any players for Kosovo that play for any uh, sort of recognisable clubs in Europe, for instance? Well, yeah, there's a few guys that um, played in England. Uh, the really good um, attacking fullback had a Jeanne who played for Huddersfield for a bit. Oh, okay. And um, Chilina, who scored, he played for Ipswich for a season um, and he actually scored a, a cracking one of their goal of the season contenders a few years ago against against P Pompey so yeah quite a few that you you know if you watch the odd league arm match once in a while you know you'll, you'll recognize some of the names yeah it's 
it's quite an interesting game to get your teeth into. That sounds um, like a good watch. Uh, have you got a football moment of the week? Does it relate to Kosovo v Lithuania? Well, it does actually. It's Kosovo beating Lithuania three um, one. Okay. No, it wasn't. Um, it was it was <laughs> the Cobblers winning on Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, you guys can fill in the gaps here because I, I didn't watch it. Um, mm. Tuesday nights have just become a little bit difficult again, but um, second half on the wireless, mate. And um, yeah, I mean, it was perfect timing, wasn't it? After um, there was a little bit of, of chat around Hoskins being not, not exactly the target man you want, which was last Saturday. Um, yeah. A lot of the comments I agreed with, you know, we love him and so on, but he's not the man you want up there on your own, on, on his own sort of thing. Mm. Um, his, 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 his qualities are in other areas. Um and, that, you know, pops up the other night and right on cue. Um, I'm sure if there were fans in the stadium, it would have been over over to them with the old finger over your lips sort of celebration. Um, and it was it was a terrific win the other night. So, what is it, six more wins needed, nine games left. And ludicrously, I don't know what's come over me, maybe because the you know, evenings are getting lighter, we're all starting to feel a little bit better. Um, we can do it, mate. We can do it. <laughs> It was definitely a huge morale booster. That's really important, especially at this time of the season. My only concern is um, I'm slightly worried that Sam Hoskins was the victim of a, a real high-level psychological manipula- manipulation <laughs> because John Brady came out and said he was a natural goal scorer, which is sort of a strange thing to say, you know, coming out of the blue. But maybe he was just, you know, trying to sort of gym up a bit. And then obviously the fans chipped in and said, no, he's not. He's not a natural goal. He's not our most natural goal scorer. He's not our most natural finisher. And between that sandwich of the fans and John Brady's sort of flattery, he's he's gone and produced the goods. And I think um, the club have come out and said he listened to what was said about him. You know, I think maybe we should be on his back a little bit more <laughs> before this week. John Brady knows. He knows. Yeah. I think because he's sort of training with him every day now and obviously he wasn't before he's seeing what sort of character he is and he's obviously a very quietly spoken guy doesn't show his emotions massively on the pitch but he maybe needed that just that little that little sort of kick up the arse a little bit and yeah as well as the arm around him and it was a very good finish actually it was it? a great little goal that super mm. goal mm. so that was a very good moment of the week. and martin i think you watched the game in full were you impressed with Hoskins yeah very much so I think um yeah there's not many people who would think he's um like a natural number nine but the kind you know sort of different shape but him behind behind um a more traditional front man even a, a bit of a short one like Rose yeah. um he excelled he excelled I thought the team across across the park it was absolutely the performance that was needed I thought it was a nervy first 10-15 minutes but after that I thought we were first class and never looked like giving up I think one of the things <clears throat> I think in the few games that we have won this season we do seem good at, manage, at managing a lead once we get one the problem is we went behind so many times and yeah yeah I was really really pleased with it and um, you know Hoskins I think he's I think Brady's words was our best finisher I think rather than a um, natural goal scorer and it's um you know, he does finish the ones he gets. He, he does finish a lot of them well. And, you know, that went in with um, plenty to spare and was a lovely little move with Kyoso and Rose to get there. So, yeah, optimistic. I mean, as, as Andy says, you know, nine games to go. I don't know if we will need six wins. I think everyone down there is taking points off each other. So, I think, yeah, we're, we've every, with every chance, we've every chance. We've just got, got to not slip back. Um, on Saturday because we have got some very tough games. Yeah. Although, as um, Brady said, and I think a few of us might have alluded to at times, we probably ought to worry about win- playing going to Wimbledon away than we should worry about going to Hull away. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's all in our hands now, and that's a bit, a bit of a cliche in football, but it, in the next couple of games... Win that. that was one of the fixtures I was looking at. Is going to go and win there. Nickel yeah. one nil. I can yeah. see it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I was just looking at um, Carl Robinson came out in the press and made this strange analogy about um, Cobblers being in the Lions' den. Carl uh, Robinson said, "If you're going into the Lions' den, don't put meat in your pocket because you won't be walking back out." 
it was a bit Ian Holloway or who was Eric Cantona. We the managers, yeah, Cantona or wasn't there someone at Lincoln back in the eighties? Was it Colin Murphy who would write absolutely obscure, like poetic <laughs> references in the program? I'll have to dig yeah. that out to see who it was, but there was someone nuts. But yeah, Robinson was certainly channeling some, something weird there. It made me laugh though because cobblers do not strike me as the lion's den, or Sixfields do not strike me as the lion's den. In fact, our performances are more like you know, you know this, Martin, with that cat you've uh, kidnapped um, or catnapped. Um, you just—it's uh, like throwing a like um, a piece of steak to a cat, and the cat just goes up to it and sniffs it and just walks off. That's yeah, why. That's, that's what our performances are like. We're not a lion's den, but I thought that was funny, and it's just very nice to. Um, Get another win over Oxford because it just it just winds their fans up so much and they are we just do it very well and we do it quite often so that was really good. And Martin, is your football moment of the week related to that or have you got a different one? Uh, no, it's a it's a different one. I think it's a, there was some hot, there was horror events last last Thursday at Ibrox with um, Glenn Kamara of Rangers getting racially abused and again you know fairly pathetic response from the the authorities so you know it's a real a real downer but what really lifted me was last night before um norway's qualifier with gibraltar there's an awful lot of stuff around the world cup in qatar around human mm. rights abuses mm. um and the way that migrant workers are treated and i think tromso started it but um norwegian players before their their qualifier lined up with t-shirts on human rights on and off the pitch and I think it's, you know, it's great to see footballers standing together for something, you know, where it there's an awful lot of blind eyes being turned to the abuses in, in Qatar. Mm. Um, and it's not stuff that we can pretend isn't related to football because it's while football stadiums are being, being built. I think it was great. It really lifted me and I'd love to see more of it from footballers. You know, it's it shouldn't just be Marcus Rashford and one or two others. I noticed as well that FIFA are not going to sanction them over it, which is pretty good. I think they said that yeah. FIFA believes in free speech. I know that's a bit you can say that with a bit of a bit of a laugh, but yeah, it just seemed like that was a bit of a smart move from FIFA. Maybe they realised the more they sanction, the the sort of worse or the stronger the oh, more more attention to it. Yeah, but you know they haven't sanctioned them, so that's a good thing. It's just uh, I wonder what. In particular, did you say it came from Tromso, so it's a Norwegian side? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's good. And I guess with coronavirus, football's had a bit of time to think over certain things. I know certain things, it always buries its head in Sandover, but that Qatar tournament is going to be a bit of a tricky one going forward. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, if, if... Footballers stand up for what they believe in and they, they group together to do that. That's never a bad thing, really. So that was a good one, Martin. Um, Ian, what about you, buddy? You always keep your nose close to the ground, especially if there's any toads around, I hear. Oh, I'm going to be keeping my, my nose close to the ground in a bit. Oh. I will share with the listeners what happened. Just before coming on air, I went to close an exterior door in my house and I think that I accidentally slammed it on two toads mating so which <laughs> is most it sounds surreal i can genuinely say tell everyone that that happened um so <laughs> yeah Pat, have a david Patrick, lynch movie <laughs> patreon subscribers um will any patreon money this week will go towards um the worldwide fund for nature <laughs> do you know did they squeal who, Ian, when you did it no, they didn't. On, do you know, on a previous episode, do you know what I did? I um, I left my, I rushed home. Back when we were playing five a side in the summer, I rushed home, and I didn't put my handbrake on properly, and it and it rolled down the drive into the garage door, like mid podcast. So I was gonna say, you know, if you're in the upper tier of our Patreon, it could pay for my new garage door. Um, <laughs> mid tier can can um, can. Like I'll put it towards the worldwide fund for nature. 
Mm. But yeah, I didn't tell you guys at the time in the Gary's door incident because I was too busy kind of like trying to sort of do my football moment of the week and like sort of calm my wife down and make sure that like everything was all right with the car and the Gary's door. Oh, and now this toad incident, I'll tell you, it's not easy, is it? Do you remember when you were younger, like it was called the WWF, wasn't it? And it was always like adopt a panda, adopt adopt this. It was in the back of like magazines and stuff. It was quite a big thing, wasn't it? WWF. Mm. But it, Shared a name with the wrestling. I remember um, my uh, my mate when I was younger. He um, got drunk one time and um, he adopted an owl on the internet when he was drunk. And uh, he started getting all these letters saying you've adopted an owl. And he was like, I can't, I can't remember doing this. I must have been drunk or something. And then it got worse because they kept they sent him a letter saying that the, um, the owl was called Wayne as well. Yeah. <laughs> That was called Wayne. And he got a letter through the post saying that Wayne had broken his cage and they needed more money off of him. <laughs> right. So it got worse and worse. And he was just like basically being hounded by this total antisocial owl who was breaking everything. Was it an owl sanctuary? Was it a, was it a cracking owl sanctuary? Yeah. Do you, do you like owls? <laughs> know, yeah, it was in the Norfolk area. Owls. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a minefield that WWF some stuff. You want to be, you want to be wary. <laughs> but um, oh, how are we talking about you this? Week, next week, listeners. Uh, my oh, yeah, football moment of the week. week. Right, okay. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go for. Like, I don't know if you're aware, but the, the councils in um, Northamptonshire all coming to an end next week. So there'll be like two new councils, and I just wanted to kind of. My mate sent me some photos last week. He'd been digging out his parents' um, photo um, albums from down the years. And it just made me think, you know, Northampton Borough Council, it's a bit like going back to Alan Partridge. It's a bit like his quote about the Titanic. You know, people go on about the Titanic. Let me tell you something about the Titanic. People forget that on the that on the they made a voyage, there was a thousand miles of uneventful, very pleasurable cruising. It's a bit like Northampton Borough Council. Now, there was over a hundred years of very uneventful, very pleasurable counselling and administration in Northampton, <laughs> and then obviously the aforementioned Mr. Cardoza came along. But mm. you know, like let's not forget. I'd probably say I don't know. I'm not an expert, but I would probably say their 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 greatest moment was actually getting Sixfields built in the first place. Because seeing those yeah. pictures, he takes yeah. you back. You know, you could see the and like when when Hoskins scored that goal, I'd, I actually didn't think like about him going up shushing the fans. I just thought wouldn't have been that wouldn't that have been great if that place had been packed with fans. You know, relegation mm. battle, fans going crazy when that goal goes in because that that view from behind yeah. the goal from from the north stand, the west stand, yeah. it still looks impressive to this day, doesn't it? Still looks impressive. Great and, like, shout! I, just, I thought exactly the same. And, you know, wouldn't it have been amazing? It just reminded me of some of like the, the late sort of equalisers and goals we scored in, in relegation tussles in the past and stuff. So, yeah, well done, um, well done, NBC, back in the day, in the 90s, for getting it built. Just goes to show where there's a will, there's a way. If you actually want to get these things done, you can, can't you? Mm, good point. And good actually, point. Actually got me thinking, Tom, you're, look, you're a really good article as well, you know, what mm. could be done with it still. I mean, mm. I actually think... Looking at it, the East Stand is probably the last thing you should be developing. Yeah. Like, thinking, I mean, you know, you, you kind of play this game, don't you? Of sort of, you know, what would have happened if this had happened? But if we had sort of solid, solidified as a League One team, really, yeah. the demand is going to be in your away end, isn't it? Where we mm. are, you know, Northampton, yeah. it's so, so easy to get to all the London teams, all the Medley, Midlands teams. They're going to be big followings down there. And, yeah. you know, if you did, and what was the other thing they used to say as well? Always used to say, it's, "Oh, don't worry, it'd be really easy to expand. All you got to do is take the roof off, and you can yeah. put a second tier in." I my question is, has anyone ever bothered to go to the designers and the constructors of the original stadium? They were a Dutch company called Ballas Needham, um, brought in because they had real expertise in sort of sites that were difficult because obviously it was built on a tip and. Looking at that, I'm no obviously no building expert, but looking at that stadium, it was done in a Meccano style. It was done in a simple expansion. So why weren't people asking, well, myself and you know anyone else asking questions at the time? Why is Cardozo not consulting the original plans? So I don't know if anyone, you know, everyone's seen my article I wrote this week about trying to look forward to the football club and trying to 
build the fan base a little bit and you know what how we can do that and in terms of what Ian was talking about you, I think you could fairly simply put on another tier on that away end if you needed to so that's not that, a, a that's, massive deal it wouldn't have like it wouldn't have the best facilities you wouldn't, you wouldn't have boxes or anything in there but you probably wouldn't need it in the way and so that's one thing um my article was, just, was talking about how you can try and touch a, a Lincoln City or a team that have really built their fan base. Lincoln's fan base was back down at 4,000 or something, and now they've got it up to about 10,000, which is um, a good figure for trying to break even or trying to make, you know, try and sort of bridge deficits in the lower leagues. And I really think that's something Northampton has to concentrate in coming out of COVID. And um, just have a look at my article. I'm really passionate about safe standing as people will know and I really think that is a way of bringing in the next generation of fans and um, Martin you, you're a supporter of safe standing as well aren't you Martin? Oh very much so very much so yeah. uh, you know we need to we need to look at how, how we can as you said increase the amount of people we can get into game you know yeah. have more room to, for growth and I think culturally you know football you know we're all of a certain a certain age we, we stood on the hotel end yeah um, you know, and you go to, I, I love the away days at places that still have standing, including, you know, like the, the BI at um, Barnet, um, yeah. you know, and Exeter, where we've built new stands with safe, with safe standing, you know. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, we, we need it back. And it makes economic sense. You know, you, you put the capacity up for very little cost. It makes, it's making every sort of sense now. And when Man City a corporate behemoth where the manager wears uh, jackets with the club crest on. That's how corporate they are. When they uh, are putting in 5,000 uh, rail seats as we speak or planning on doing that, it shows the, the way it's going. And uh, my, my point is that Northampton really can't afford to stand still on it. We've had a big head start on it because we've been investigating it for a long time. And I think the next few years is really the time to start instituting it because we are getting old in the tooth. We probably consider ourselves fairly young, but we're getting old in you know, old in the tooth. It's an aging fan base, and you need to get the you need to get kids in. And kids these days, with so many different things they can do on a on a weekend, they can play FIFA on uh, probably a you know a better level than cobblers playing. There's all these stuff to do. We really need to be attracting them, and the way we can do it is by attracting them to a vibrant terrace culture and a really good atmosphere. That that is a one way of um, attracting a younger demographic. So I think hopefully it's something. Um, you know, my idea is to regenerate and promote the growth of the club via um safe standing and uh, live music and we're lucky enough we've got brendan in the fan base he's got a very good job in the record industry and he he thinks the idea's got legs he's got access to some good bands and stuff and my my plan is to make match days just more about football and as it is at loads of other grounds, I was looking at Reading today, they have a lot of stuff and who else was telling me Bristol City they have a whole thing around match day. So to our bands playing, you know, local beer and stuff and just make it, um, you know, increase revenue and increase the vibrancy and the atmosphere and everything. And, you know, hopefully the club will just embrace listening to it. So we'll see how we get on. But yeah, um, Ian's right about six fields going back to his original point and how it was first built. It was actually built by the sale of the municipal bus company, Northampton Buses, um, which I remember. And it was just such an, a, an amazing move. It wouldn't happen now. Can you imagine now the... Um, in, the, in today's times, I'm saying, right, we're going to sell a, you know, an asset and we're going to build a football stadium with it. It just wouldn't happen, would it? It'd be like, well, not good for the taxpayers' money. But the council then, there's a Labour council, without getting too partisan, said, well, we're doing this. And they did it. People like John Dickey, people like that. So, um, yeah, you're right, Ian. OK, then let's move on to Saturday's Crunch Relegation Six-Pointer. It's good to be speaking to Wimbledon fan Ray Armfield again. How are you doing, Ray? Saturday's game seems to be in must-win territory for both teams. Not too bad, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think you've summed it up perfectly. It's a six, well, possibly a nine, a nine-pointer, given our positions at the moment. Yeah, very true. I've been looking at the Wimbledon game as a really important one. We almost wrote off last night's game against um, Oxford, and we surprisingly won that game. But we, we've been all been looking at the Wimbledon game as maybe the winnable one and the one we really need to target. Have Wimbledon fans been looking at that, that Northampton game similarly and thinking how important it is? I think so, yeah. There was a spell where we had, um, I think, four out of five games at home prior to having our Rochdale game rescheduled. And there was yourselves, Rochdale, um, Swindon and I think Fleetwood. So we were really looking at 
perhaps three three to four wins there as a as a minimum really given the situation that that we're in but um what we really want to do is sort of to be to be clear of the bottom three by our last three three games because we've got Ipswich Portsmouth and Lincoln so <laughs> that's a yeah. that's a tough old running we've got a very tough running as well so ours is hardly faring much better but we did get that morale boosting 1-0 win against Oxford it was a turn up for the books no one really expected it and it maybe for Northampton a bit of a boost at the right time but knowing Northampton we can equally just go and like just you know completely tonk it in the next game so I wouldn't um, (laughs) really give it as much of a form guide but I've been looking at Wimbledon's form and it just seems without watching the games that I can imagine that the matches have been fairly cagey. You've had three draws in a, a row, including quite a decent draw of Charlton. Is it that Wimbledon are just trying not to, you know, lose and therefore playing slightly within themselves, maybe? Possibly, yeah. I think um, towards the last last few games of Glenn Hodges' reign, we were shipping goals, and I think we got something like two two points out of a possible 33. Um, and then he went. I think the first thing the new boss Mark Robinson did was just try and tighten things up at the back and maybe at least give ourselves a bit of a platform. And he's managed to do that. Uh, but at, at the other end, um, I wouldn't say we've forgotten how to score goals, but um, I was a bit shocked that we scored twice against Charlton Saturday because it's been seven or eight games since we scored more than one in a game. And obviously when you only do that at one end, you're putting yourself under enormous pressure at the other to get anything out of it. Mm, it just seems a little bit of a, turnaround I think when Wimbledon first started the season you were fairly optimistic about scoring a few goals you had I remember you talking me through some of the youth players people like Chislett I don't know if he's still there but it just yeah. seems that your goal scoring threat had dwindled a little bit has a bit yeah uh, I think it's like nine games since Joe Joe Piggott scored now um, yeah. Ethan Chislett as you, as you mentioned has been injured um, and until he got both the goals against Charlton on Saturday Ryan Longman hadn't scored for like 17 games although he's performances were still reasonably good uh but he's a young guy on, on loan from brighton it's his first taste of like men's football um but these are the guys that we're like relying on now um so one or two of them need to keep keep firing until the end of the season this seems very similar to the predicament northampton are in we've got quite a few loanees in our team we've got a young loanee forward from Leeds united called ryan edmondson who's struggling to hit the net we're not prolific at all um we have scored since John Brady's taken over for anyone listening from the Wimbledon perspective we've got a new manager new managers for outsiders from Northampton fans he's not new he's been in the youth setup for, you know similar to um your guy sort of promoted from within but goals haven't flowed and um you know we're we're sort of struggling in front of goal so it seems that it's not <laughs> set up to be a high scoring game unless both teams just go for it and uh, try and try and notch a few on Saturday it, it, it's looking towards something like a nil nil or one all or something at the moment but we'll go to a match prediction later yeah. um, in terms of your new head coach it's important to distinguish that from just a bog standard manager Mark mm. Robinson he was promoted from within wasn't he and how do you rate him so far Yes, he was. Yeah, he's been with our youth system for like 16, 17 years. So he's got the advantage of knowing half the f- current first team from working with them in age age groups previously. Um, yeah. I think he's brought a, a very fresh new approach. And he sort of said right at the outset, it wasn't going to be a quick fix, which I took to mean we might possibly have to bite the bullet and drop for this season in order to see what he's doing as a as a bigger picture. He's yeah. got um, lots of coaches helping him out we've got like um i think what what, what, what he calls um a re a restarts coach which is somebody who works on dead dead ball situations um uh, we've yeah. got four or five coaches who work around him he's got one that looks at the, at the mental health side so it's it's a very different setup to just just having like a, a gaffer and a number two if you like um yeah. and i think that sort of setup probably won't won't get instant results necessarily although I think we we have been generally harder to beat, and you can see where he's coming from. I think so. There's a bit of optimism into what he's what he's trying to do, but obviously the games are coming thick and fast, and the season's running out of time. So something's got to give. Yeah, I can imagine some of your previous managers, people like Wally Downs or someone like that, probably wouldn't really have taken a 
you know that sort of uh, model too seriously mate like a restart coach it's all it's all no. quite modern isn't it no yeah yeah it is um but i think he is a he's a thinking man's head head coach i think he's drawn from various places he's he's done all his badges and he he may not be a household name but um i think he he certainly knows its stuff he's it's just getting the right people around him and getting them to do what he wants to do yeah i think a lot of clubs now are actually looking when they come to sack a manager, they actually start looking a bit more introspectively now and looking at the structure of the football club. So saying, well, we can't keep sacking managers. You know, we really need to put stuff into place to give them the best chance of success. And have we done that previously? Do we need to change things around? So that might be the thinking of the, the board at Wimbledon and back in the new sort of forward thinking uh, head coach with that. I guess the only downside is he's relatively inexperienced. So maybe in a very tough league that might count against him. I think so. Yeah, I think certainly when he when he got the job, I was hoping maybe um, like a director of football or or an experienced number two would be there just to maybe share the load with him. But but, but I say he's sort of gone for like three or four specialist coaches. And the one he sort of seems to lean on on match days, Rob Rob Tuvey, he's somebody else who's come from the youth system as well. Um, So, you know, that's a bit of a bit of a gamble as well. Um, But I say they they talk well and they know their stuff and the players seem to respond and performances wise i think we have seen things get get better but sometimes as we finally got on saturday you just needed to rub the green and we got that sort of fluke goal to give us a draw um but i think even had we not got that i think the overall standard of play certainly merited something and that's against a decent charlton team who like had their own new new manager to try and try and impress um they've got a, a decent away record um, so I was quite quite pleased with what, what, with, um, what I saw on Saturday. Yeah, I guess also the board were thinking if we got an experienced name in. I remember when the names we've been banded about for the Wimbledon job. There are a few fairly bigger names in there. I think Danny Cowley was mentioned in dispatches. He's obviously gone to Portsmouth. But if yes. you'd have brought a permanent manager in last, you know, last few games of the season, there's no guarantee that they'll keep you up anyway. And maybe. Mm. You know, Mark Robinson's the best guy if, unfortunately, you do drop, which is potentially, you know, potential for an apartment and potential for him to drop. If you do drop, that he's the guy that will be able to help you to bounce back. And, of course, he'll have a very good knowledge of the youth system and bringing players through, which is very important at clubs at our level. So I can see the rationale behind it. Um, You've talked about Robinson being fairly sort of a progressive sort of coach. What sort of tactics mm. has he used so far in terms of formations and stuff like that? Uh, well, I think other can under Glenn Hodges, we seem to be almost wedded to three three five two, but we drop that now, and we seem to go for a sort of four two three one system with Piggott playing playing up front. Um, I think people look at Jones sort of think, oh, he's six foot two and he and he scores goals, so therefore he's a target man. But he's yeah. not necessarily. And I think also we've got Ollie Palmer coming back from injury, who's like six foot four, yeah. and I think Joe would probably benefit playing off of him. Um, even given his size, um, so we so we may do that. One thing that um, Robinson does is he tends to be quite good in his use of substitutes or or finishers, as he calls them. Um, I think he sort of sees his starting eleven as like doing the groundwork, and obviously now you can use five subs. I think he's quite meticulous about how and when he plays those. So okay. I think you might see that towards the end of the game as well. That's quite interesting. And that probably is something to do with the fact that you can have more subs now. So you can have literal uh, specialist substitutions and you, you think of it on that level. So Yeah, it's almost like an um, NFL thing, you know, like special yeah. teams or something. I'm not saying we're, we're going to bring like a corner kicker or something, but I mean, you know, there are certain players who come off the bench to do certain things with maybe not not that long to go. Yeah, so it'd be interesting, perhaps if we're ahead or whatever, we're behind how he tries to manage the game via substitution. So I'll keep an eye on that one, especially late in the game. Mm. Um, in terms of players in form, if you'd have like, <laughs> asked me a reverse question recently, I would have been <laughs> scratching my head a little bit. We've got Ryan Watson, who for the past, you know, going back a few games, was keep winning games or keeping us in games single-handedly. Very useful box-to-box midfielder. He... Um, is one to keep an eye on from Wimbledon's perspective um, and it made us chuckle that John Brady um, 
came out in the press and said that, that a guy called Sam Hoskins, you've probably seen him a few times against Wimbledon. Mm. Quite a short little guy, quite fast, good travelling with the ball. But he came out and said that Sam Hoskins was our most natural finisher because we're struggling for goals. Cue chuckling from Cobblers fans. They were like, oh, he's no way <laughs> He's no way our most natural finisher couldn't hit a barn door. But last, you know, against Oxford, he cropped up with a nice little finish. So there might be some uh, method to John Brady's madness and maybe Sam Hoskins is a player in form for Northampton. Have you got anyone that is maybe just outperforming others for Wimbledon at the moment? Well, I did pick up on Ryan, Ryan Taylor for you, and I've picked him out in the uh, match day programme as someone to, to watch. Um, I think from our point of view, the sort of shining light who's come through our academy recently is a mid, midfield player called Jack Ridoni. Um, he's got his first senior goals recently. Um, he can play almost anywhere across the middle four and almost as a, a number 10 when we use that sort of system as well. I think yeah. he's only 19 still. Um, he's he's certainly one to watch, and I do I do worry if we do drop if we can hang on to him. Um, aside mm-hmm. from that, I say Joe Joe Pickett's not scored for nine games. Surely he's due one soon, um, or perhaps Hopefully more than not. one. So yeah, <laughs> from from your point of view, yeah. But um, so we are sort of looking towards him him maybe as well. Um, other than that, yeah, it's the. I wouldn't say the team picks itself, but I say the the nucleus has more or less stayed the same, barring injuries under Robinson. Mm, is Palmer likely to play on Saturday? Because he's been a thorn in our side various times. Um, he definitely scored at six as I remember. I think it was from Mansfield. A uh, big lumbering, just lump, basically. Really, uh, yeah. About. I feel for Ollie because uh, he sort of came with a bit of a fanfare because he was the type of player that we've that we've needed for ages, really, probably since um, Akin Fenn were left. Yeah. Um, I think his all-round game's a bit bit better, but I know he's scored goals wherever he's been, but he's played regularly wherever he's been, and since he's been with us, he just seemed to pick up niggle after niggle, which I think has frust- frustrated him as well. Uh, mm. But certainly, now he's been back recently, um, I think he may not start on Saturday, but I think you will see him at, at some point, perhaps as one of the finishers. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> he's always a pain in the backside to play against and defend. He's just, he's very strong and he works hard and yeah, so he's he's a sort of when you're a centre back, you say, Oh, I can't be bothered to defend this guy. <laughs> I wish he wasn't playing. So yeah, we'll that's what on. I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye on keep an eye on him. But yeah, we know we sort of know what he's about, but he definitely can produce if, if uh, he's given the right chance as as a lot of women mm. players would be able to. Um the new stadium is, you know, Pretty new, but Wimbledon are playing some some games there. You must be pleased at the achievement of the fans, for starters, just to get the thing built. It's an absolute huge achievement, but um, just a nice stadium for Wimbledon to look to the future with. Absolutely, yeah. It's obviously frustrating not not being able to sort of go there. You see lots of lovely pictures and you see it on a match day, and obviously all you want to do is turn up and get in your seat. Um, but it probably has has been the light at the end of the tunnel in the past year certainly with what's been going on on the wider picture knowing it's sort of there waiting for us and and it will be great to finally get in there i'm not sure if you're aware but um next week we're having a vote whether the london broncos rugby league team share the stadium with us Uh, they've made approaches to us and obviously from a financial point of view it'll be very useful but obviously one of the questions we'll be asking is what about wear and tear on the pitch yeah definitely um, have you got a, a view on on that? Um, I'm not too too sure. I've seen all the information available yet. There is a big big meeting, as I say, next next Wednesday. Um, yeah. A Q and A has come out. Um, at the moment, I think I'm leaning towards accepting it. Um, you know, possibly with a slight worry about about pitch use and really when it's going to get a rest. But I'm I'm no rugby expert, but I'm told that rugby league damages the pitch less than rugby union would something to do with balls and scrums no or something or anything, but is there, so. no no um, and the certainly the the, the um, broncos are a very sort of nomadic club and i think they're they're looking for somewhere to sort of at least form a bit of a base um and i think there is possibly an up to 10 year deal on the table with obviously break break clauses on both sides um yeah. but we'll need to just be fun to go and thrash it out might be, yeah, might be never seen one. Watch some rugby league games. Yes, um, I think if you trace their antecedents back, they used to be Fulham back in the day, oh, okay. um, and they've gone through several name name changes and umpteen grounds since. So, 
again, I think they're they're looking for something reasonably stable in their catchment area. And obviously, up we popped. Mm, I guess from a fan's perspective, you're looking at the wear and tear on the pitch. Pitch technology has got a lot better and there's all sort of hybrid technology and stuff like that now. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't have been a, such a problem as it would have been 10, 20 years ago. Northampton actually mooted the same plan and it never got off the ground. Um, I think London Broncos are more established rugby league club than they're going to build, create a new rugby league club in Northampton and play at Sixfields, but it never got off the ground. Oh, but I guess right. the, other, the other thing I would look at is just have a look at the books of London Broncos to see if they're, you know, really strong business. Yes, I think we'll do our due, due diligence on them. I think the, the other sort of worry or, or concern our, our fans have is, you know, it's our stadium and it looks nice and it's and it's blue and yellow. What sort of like branding or signage are they going to have? Will it be will it be permanent or match match day only? Um, we just want Plough Lane to sort of replicate us, if you like, and show what, what we are rather than suddenly having two of everything everywhere yeah you can understand if the vote went yes and you can understand why the if the vote went no so we'll see how that one goes i guess for sure yeah um but yeah it's just it's a great project and i spoke to various wimbledon fans about a little link between wimbledon and northampton brian lomax creator Mm. of uh, sports direct's first ever uh support trust back at northampton he helped wimbledon form the the new club really mm. Wimbledon fans that form the new club and a lot of Wimbledon fans have a lot of time for Brian Lomax so I know Brian mm. bless him he's passed away a few years ago yes. very proud of what Wimbledon fans have achieved and the stadium is brilliant and I, I'm just sad that we can't go on Saturday because uh various reasons oh, I love the uh little brewery next door uh, by the horse <laughs> brewery yeah that's going to be great that's going to be well used by Wimbledon fans <laughs> I think it is, yeah. But there's also a pub in the ground as well, so we'll have to try them both, I think, and see what see what works. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, numb the pain. That's what we normally do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's a brilliant achievement that that ground, and um, I know a lot of Northampton fans are itching to get down there. So hopefully next season, hopefully we'll stay in the same league together, League One, and uh, we can play each other again next season. But Saturday will go a long way to decide that. And on yeah. that note, we'll have to do a match prediction. It's going to be quite a painful one because it's just so difficult. I think it's sort of on a knife edge of this game. What would you go for for a scoreline? Um, I think we're going to have to look look for a win. Um, my my heart says sort of yes. Uh, my my head, not, not quite sure just in terms of all the games that we've drawn recently, but I think perhaps we might just get, get this one over the line. So I'm going to go 2-1 to us. Yeah, that's, crossing fingers. <laughs> yeah, reasonable shout, but I guess it goes comes down to are both teams going to think right? We can't just sit back here. This is a game we're going to have to go for. Um, so they both go hammer and tongs, and that creates space for goals and whatever else it's chances. Or are both teams going to go right? We better just be totally cagey here and just try and scrape scrape an odd goal and win it like that. Or, or one team goes either, you know, attacking or defending, and it's a bit of a mismatch on that level. So it's a really sort of intriguing tussle. I think Cobblers mm. have got a couple of match winners, which is really important in these sort of games. So Ryan Watson, you you, you tagged him up before, um, mm. capable finisher, probably one of our best finishers actually plays in midfield, so he can he can turn games. We've got a couple in there. You've probably got a couple as well. So I'm going to go one all draw. I just think it will be too close to call, and I think both teams will score, but it'll be a one all draw. But we'll wrap up. Uh, it'd be great if, like I said earlier on, if both of us are in League One next season, so we can pop down to your new stadium. Hopefully, COVID is eased off and stuff, and um, we can sort of celebrate football again together. But um, in the meantime, take care of yourself, and um, we'll speak again after the game. Thank you very much, Tom. Take care, mate. Let's move on to something a little bit lighter. It is Martin's new idea for a feature because we're mourning the end of Cobbler's A to Z. And we've got a few new features in the pipeline. And one of them was suggested by Martin was the What Could Have Been 11. Now, Martin, do you want to explain what this is about? Yeah, I think I think I went kind of full partridge when we were coming up with ideas. I just <laughs> they were all they were all coming out. Um, but yeah, I think um over the years, we have, um, and we've probably got a few like this that we'll we'll explore, but players who we've had who 
have not necessarily been rubbish, although they may have been, but have left us. And then we're like, well, he weren't like that for us. Yeah. And, you know, those players who we didn't see it at the time, because sometimes, you know, so, you know, it, it was no, it's no surprise when certain players leave us and go to bigger clubs and do very well. But it's the player that surprises you because you didn't really think that much of him. And he's turned out to be very, very good. Yeah. And there's been quite a few, actually. Is, Martin, have you got any that sort of um, leaps out at you? Well, I think I had a little look on, on Twitter, cause as ever. Um, uh, our podcast listeners are somewhat better at answering the questions that, than we are. I, I think the one, and funnily enough, uh, we're just recording the night before um, I'm seeing playing for England now. Dominic Calvert-Lewin for me. Okay. Because he was good. He yeah. was quite good. I think he yeah. scored, scored seven goals in about 25 games. Um, definitely looked like, you know, probably if he, I think my words at the time, you know, if he gets himself in the gym, starts working hard, you could have a decent championship player there. Yeah. And I'm currently watching him lead the line for England. And I, I like that one. He scored because... as well, hasn't he? He scored tonight as well. Oh, I, I didn't see who got the second. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. He nodded in the second. Yeah, um, I like that one, Martin, because he obviously he's a he's a very good player, and people might say, "Oh, you've been a little bit churlish," but he he didn't pull out trees for Northampton. He looked good. He was obviously a very young guy, learning his craft and stuff. So I like the fact that he has gone on and multiplied his you know talent by tenfold, and is doing so well and. Just looks like a, a real player that you can pin your mask to for yeah. you know the I next generation. There is one thing as well with Calvert Lewin that he, that he did. I was listening to it might have been Sam Matterface on on Talk Sport, but he went away um, when he was at Everton. He went and worked with a coach who specifically coaches heading and or sorry heading jumping. Yeah, and I reckon this coach was the person who made a difference between him being like, a, you know, probably a bench player in the Premier League yeah. to being a really, really good Premier League and international player. Mm. So maybe that, you know, playing for Everton has just added that little bit extra dimension to his game in that top level coaching. And he just seems like a very level headed guy. I've had interviews with him. He just seems intelligent and level headed and yeah. sort of striker you want, really, isn't he? Absolutely. So that's a, that's a very good one. Um, has anyone else got any? Have you got one, Ian, at all? Similar vein. Um, another one who was here when he was a young lad who went on. He didn't go on to the heights of England, but Steve Morrison. Um, yeah. He had a great career, didn't he? Um, after he left us, he had to go non-league move up, but he scored lots and lots of goals. And it's weird. He's one of them because he was here when he was young. You'll always think of him as a youth teamer. Then when you see him now with like grey hair. <laughs> and when he was like a veteran of the game, a veteran striker, it's like, no, you're a young lad. But it's just like two things that kind of um, like I remember him for. Like one, when he when he left, I remember Calderwood saying how good he was. And yeah. like, yeah, we're releasing him and we'll probably re-sign him one day. I don't know if he was just saying that to make the lad feel better, but I just thought, well, if he's so good, why are you letting him go? And then mm. look, look at the career he had. And the other thing I remember him for is he had a relationship with a sugar babe, didn't he? He had a, he's probably the one of the best wags a cobbler's players had, isn't it? Heidi from the sugar babes. He's better than Ryan Amu and Jade Goody, anyway. From a, <laughs> a similar era. I'm sure there's some other wags if we can put our mind to it. It might be something for a future show. But, um, can I just yeah. throw one in there? I didn't see him play, um, but I know that he, um, he had a blink and you missed it spell at the Cobblers in 2012. Kemar Roof. Yes. Who scored from the um, the halfway line earlier this season, didn't he, for Rangers in the Europa League. And then, of course, he, in the same competition, he kicked the guy's head in the other night as well, didn't he? Mm. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah I, I never saw him down at Six Fields. Yeah, I remember You guys him. probably yeah. did. Yeah, it was one of those short ones probably, wasn't it? But um, he was a skillful guy and obviously he's gone on to play for a big club in Rangers and play for Leeds as well, so he's pretty useful. Um, in terms of Steve Morrison, 
he it, it doesn't sort of strike you like how these players like you're, you're right in how they how they leave I know he's actually admitted himself that maybe his attitude to the game wasn't spot on and maybe he needed that drop into non-league but it's just like I don't know how if it's just on pure talent surely you just abide whatever attitude they've got a lot of young footballers have got an attitude just let that go and just let them do the business but he's actually at Cardiff now isn't he and he's I think he's the under 23s manager or he's, a, he's an academy manager there and he um signed up uh Sean McWilliams his brother Cameron McWilliams and Cameron McWilliams left us after playing very well for our under 18s and uh, has gone to Cardiff in the championship so that's another sort of a mind-boggling one but yeah um I think if you speak to Millwall fans Steve Morrison is sort of big up there. He's uh, very well rated as a target man. But sometimes players do need to leave to find their pathway. And that does happen at Cobblers quite a lot. Um, I'll just read out some of the readers' ones. There's quite a few. Actually, no, I'll just read out. i do one of mine first, actually, because I was thinking of a couple. And you might disagree. And maybe they don't have to be like, terrible when they're playing for us to sort of fit in this. But um, Billy Bowden was one. Didn't he come in under uh, Eddie Boothroyd? But didn't, because he got injured or didn't play very much, but then didn't sort of gone on to be quite good. Went to, did he go Bristol Rovers and he scored quite a few for them? Mm. Yeah. He's obviously pretty useful, so I thought that was one. And I thought actually one that actually did count in a, a fairly obscure way was um, Ollie Cahill from last week. Youth team player, Ian used to like, uh, pretend he was him. <laughs> on the touchline or his mate did and uh, went on to a really good career in Ireland and I know we sort of sniff our League of Ireland or whatever if you're playing in the Europa League or UEFA Cup whatever it was that's really good and he played for some really good Irish teams so I think Martin will rate that choice do you reckon Oli Cahill Martin? Definitely definitely yeah and again you know looked tidy enough but you weren't expecting him to go and play in European competition exactly so that was one and yeah, I won't say any more of mine because they'll probably be repeating some of the tweeters ones, but I'll just go to the beginning of the list of the tweeters ones. Uh, someone's tweeted us. Um, they're saying they hate peanut butter, Martin, so I'm sorry about that. You know, well, we've, we've, everything you read on the internet isn't true. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, let's read out the peanut butter. Uh, ooh, the peanut butter um, gates, <laughs> peanut butter pole, peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter and butter, or just peanut butter, and... Martin, you'll be happy to know that peanut butter took it with 52.9%. Yeah. So Always the public be. can be trusted, Martin. <laughs> Occasionally. Well, I guess as some of us might say, 52% of people can be wrong. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the uh, EU referendum. It's very, very similar in many ways. Sticky situation. <laughs> boom, boom. Right. OK, so let's go to some of the treaters ones we have got. And this is a very good one. From Rob Armitage, who's done us three good ones, actually. The last one I'd probably argue with, but the first one, Ian Henderson. <laughs> he was a strange one, wasn't he? Couldn't hit a ballon d'or for cobblers, but for Rochdale, as particularly, very skillful and very prolific. Just a very good player. Anyone sort of seen him play? Well, yeah. Uh, when he, he had his one, one year with us, just didn't look up to much. Um, uh, wasn't, you know, never looked a goal threat. I mean, I didn't look a bad footballer, but it just didn't work out. And then at Rochdale, he's been absolutely sensational. Mm. It's, I think he's also one of those players that always seems to quite enjoy scoring against Cobblers. Always seems to have a little wise smile on his face when he scores against us. And he's scored against us a few times. But just a skillful guy. And maybe it's horses for courses. Some players do better at some clubs. But he's definitely won. He's also who's gone for Sam Parkin. That is Ashley Hardy always comes up with some good answers. Sam Parkin. Now he came to Cobblers on loan. This is more, I would say, Jake sort of period. Jake would be all over this. Uh, but he came from Chelsea. Came through the ranks at Chelsea. Sam Parkin uh, played for Northampton forty times on loan. Not not an unreasonable number of games, but had a much better spell at Swindon where he scored 67 goals in 124 games and even played for teams like Ipswich and Luton. Sam Parkin, anyone remember, remember him? Um, yeah, he was um, big big centre, big centre forward. Yeah. Of, seemed to lead the line well, but just never looked in danger of scoring. Um, yeah. And yet he went to Swindon, um, got quite a few... Um, 
just that's exactly the sort of player. It's a great shout that I was thinking of. It's just that one. It wasn't really much good here, but you know, different different circumstances, change scenery, change of system, whatever it is. Um, and you see that this person is a really good footballer. I've seen he does some media work now. I think. Um, yeah. I've seen him uh, doing some football league games. So he's a really really good guy. Yeah. He just seemed switched on, especially as a, a pundit. I remember seeing Sam Parkin and Robert Woolley Aston. These are real names to conjure with. I think he was on loan, and I think yeah. I'll Google it. I think he came through the uh, ranks at Chelsea as well. And let's have a quick look at Robert Woolley Aston. I saw them both in Legends in town, the uh, <laughs> nightclub. So they'd moved on by that point from um, from Bridge Street, Chicago's, <laughs> and Bridge Street. They moved on from the flaming pattern. Let's have a look. I might, yeah, Northampton Town loan, 2001. So when was that? Had you been here? to? Um, had you been to Clues just prior and done the College Street double? Yes, and Sam Parkin was there at 2001 <laughs> as well. So I haven't made that one up. So yeah. Oh, do you mind what it's like there now? What is it now? I went past the other day. I think it might have been converted to something else, like ruined it in like I, a gym or something. I hope it has. But I hope it has been converted because I'd hate to think of it just being derelict. I just think, I just look at these buildings in town and I, I just think, oh, my God. Like, you know what, you know, mate? You br- yeah. I was there today thinking exactly the same thing. I walked past where where Panache was. Mm. Do you remember Panache? That was the same, mm. wasn't it? Three or four stories. That's right. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you the one I always think about. Do you know um, opposite the Cock Hotel? Um, is it the White yeah, Horse? White Horse, that great that, Star Wars graffiti all on it now. That's really good. But that has been derelict for like ages now, hasn't it? Years yeah. and years and years. So what was that like when it was open, Ian? I never went in because yeah. I got the impression it was kind of like a locals place because everyone used to go in the, the cocks, like the main draw, that end of Kingsort, wasn't it? It was yeah. decent. Um but yeah, by the way, did you know that they briefly, you know, like this thing of having, I'm not joking now, you know, that this thing of having car washes in pub car parks for a bit of extra revenue. They yeah. genuinely had one in the cock car park called the cock wash. <laughs> no, they didn't. now. No, they No way, was it called the cock wash? Unbelievable. Didn't last long. The, the building in Northampton, which sort of um, makes me feel sad, is definitely Chicago's. Because in my mind, it was like a great Gatsby-style party every Saturday. <laughs> and sometimes, if you were that desperate, on Sunday night as well, when you're absolutely hanging, but you were like, oh, better battle Stop. through it, lads. But well, it was massive in there. The place was massive. It was yeah, it was. It was. Well, do you know what I can think about with my council head on is like what would the business rates have been in there? Because it was like they charge you per like square inch or whatever, and it was huge, wasn't it? Absolutely Massive. huge. But, but it wasn't just but it wasn't just Saturdays or Sundays. In those days, people had money to go out, and they didn't just like drink at home or whatever. Yeah. And they used to go out on Tuesday night, and it'd be like New Year's Eve, and like Kevin Wilson and everyone would be in there. So it really Good. was like the Great Gatsby, mate. It really yeah. was. It that era. There you go, mate. There was two eras, wasn't there, in this town, sort of mid nineties, where we had money to sell off a bus company and build a stadium, and early noughties, mm. where you could go out partying in Chicago's on a Tuesday night, and it would be like Saturday night. As usual, we've completely digressed. <laughs> Are we talking about players that have done better at other clubs? I'm going to go through a couple now. There's two big ones for me. Can't read out all of yours. In fact, I'll go through some real quick. So we've got Lee Williamson from Sully Man. He was pretty decent, but went on to uh, a quite a good career. Um, central midfielder. Uh, Phil Aegis always also says Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. So that's a good one. Uh, Tom Goodridge, Ender Stevens, and George Baldock. I think they both uh, played under uh, Chris Wilder and good some good players. Didn't perhaps show it in Northampton. Matt Grimes from Keith B. That's a very good one. Showed a lot more at Swansea than he ever did at Northampton. The two big ones for me come from Gavin Foster and Lee Wade. The first one is Ron Robert Zilla, the goalie. Now, is he the only Cobblers player to have won a World Cup? Or players player that played for Cobblers? Can anyone think yeah. of any more? Can't think of no, any. He has to be, doesn't he? Yeah. 
So Ron Robert Zeeler was signed by, this is off the top of my head, was signed by Stuart Gray. And he didn't really feature for Northampton at all. He was a goalie. I think he was sort of signed on loan from Man United and just very young, very raw. And then it was just amazing just a few years later to see him in the squad for the... Um, and did you know what World Cup it was? World It was Cup. Brazil, Brazil 2014. Yeah. So... Um, when it calls you the understudy to Manuel Neuer, so... Yeah, the number two, one of the top keepers of the last, you know, twenty odd years. Just shows yeah, you that, the is, sort that of, is quite some well, some progression. Just shows you the sort of players that Stuart Gray was signing. He was probably for me pound for pound that even probably better than Graham Carr. It might be sacrilege, but in terms of player spotting, signed all these amazing players: Gabor Jepes, Bayo. He found Bayo or signed Bayo. So to sign a player that went on to win the World Cup, uh, Ron Robertsila left us, went to Hanover '96, then Leicester, Stuttgart, Hanover '96 again, and he's on loan at Köln, I think, at the moment. So that was a really good one from Lee Wade. Uh, the other one, we'll finish on this one, Alexander Priovic. Now he came, was he? He was Stuart Gray as well. This is just showing you the caliber of his signings. Alexander Priovic, we were. Getting relegated, I think. It was a relegation season. And Stuart Gray was rolling the dice. And he signed this guy on loan from Derby, I remember. Alexander Priovic. I think he had shaven head. Obviously very mobile and pretty useful. But couldn't score many goals. And couldn't keep us up. But then when you look at his um, his resume, it's just absolutely brilliant. He's played for some really good clubs. Does anyone remember um, Priovic? It's a bit of a, a cameo appearance. I think I recall a really good win that season. We might we might have beat Stockport, I think, 4-1 or 4-0 at home. Mm. Right, Priovic scored in that, and it looked like, oh, hello, we've, you know, we've got a player and a bit of a team on our hands here, but yeah. it was one of those um, kind of false dawns, and we you know, quickly reverted to type, and Priovic didn't score many, and certainly a, a much many of the players we've talked about, he didn't expect him to go on and do much after he'd been with us. Mm, it's quite interesting, Andy, from what you were saying. Priovic played for Switzerland under 20, uh, but made his you know senior uh, you know set stall out in, in the senior ranks for Serbia. So that just shows you how Switzerland do pick up some of the Balkan players. Um, Priovic played for us on a, on loan for 10 games. He did score. I think it was his debut v Stockport when we won 4-0. So I think you're. Right, yeah. I scored against Southend as well. Uh, left Northampton and he went to Sion. That's a Swiss side, I think. Yeah. Uh, Tromso, another Norwegian side. I think that Martin mentioned them at the top of the show. Uh, Dual Gardens. Two, in... two unrelated mentions in a Cobbler's podcast. What's the odds on that? <laughs> Tromso, uh, the side where um, Jonathan Dark, I think it was, the um, commentator, and Andy would love this line. Um, I think Chelsea played Tromso and Zola scored against them. And his line was, from the land of the midnight sun, it's a Zola eclipse. Yes. <laughs> That's the was that the match? Was that the match? Well, there was total, it might even have been an orange ball job. It was yeah. Chelsea Tromso. Was that the season they won the Cup Winners' Cup, I think? Mm. 98. I know Far north, isn't it, in Norway? Yeah. That away match that Chelsea played was pretty much in a blizzard, I think. You know, white pitch type thing. Mm, so that was a cast line about Tromso. So, Tromso, Dual uh, Gardens. I don't know how you pronounce that in Dutch. Uh, sorry, in uh, Swedish, but Dual Gardens. Uh, Bolaspor. That sounds Turkish. Let's have a look. Yeah. Bolaspor. Then he went to Ligia Warsaw, which is a big club in Poland. Scored quite a few goals for them. And then, where Hildeberto Pereira came from, isn't it? Yes. Wow. There's a link there. Another player I was actually going to think of including for this, but I thought he was actually too good. He was, he was, he was not nutter, but he was very good, uh, Pereira. Um, so then he so he's plays for Legio Warsaw, scores quite a few goals for them, impresses for them, and he earns a move to Pauk, P-A-O-K, in Greece. Where are they based? Up in Salonika. 
Yeah, the lost one. Yeah, you're right. That's right. So there he scores not an you know a small number of goals. He scores 35 goals in 55 games. Wow. So he's obviously doing really well in the Greek you know top division. Then uh, our Itihad of Saudi get interested and then he get he signs for them for 10 million euros. That was quite recently. That was in. Um, 2019 so out of all the players we've mentioned really he's probably one of the ones that mainly forgettable and didn't have a massive role for Northampton but has gone on to big money moves and goals for big clubs so that was a really big one um we've got any other ones we'll just while we're here we're going to wrap up in a second anyway what's the England score while we're talking uh 3-0 3-0 to be fair, they they've missed a few as well. It's um yeah, it's, it's walking park. San Marino did get a corner though. That was a <laughs> high point. I think I think though I'm gonna I'm gonna walk the shop to get a couple of beers. And I'm gonna swap over to the um Seattle Mariners and Oakland Athletics because I don't think there's anything interesting gonna happen in this game. Mm. We're gonna have to wrap up now, guys. We've been talking for a while. Ian's gonna shoot off to um, the cock wash in uh, Kingsport to get his car washed and whatever else. And uh, I'm going to make a donation on behalf of the Toad Alliance of the UK on behalf of Ian's terrible injurious attack on <laughs> two toads in his door. <laughs> just dreading. You know, I, had a quick, I had a quick look and I couldn't see anything just now. Just a quick update for everyone. But I'm worried about in the morning what I'm going to find out there, to be honest. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a terrible Sorry, thing. Sorry, down, down Before the animal rights activists get onto us, we'll make a size of a at least they died with a, a smile on their face. That's <laughs> what, um, what they would have wanted. They, they, for the listeners, they didn't die. They're fine. They're living with Ian they, now. Yeah, well, yes. Speak it out, mate. <laughs> Guys, take it easy. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday if that's possible. Big crunch. Six-pointer against Wimbledon. But we'll talk again uh, next week. Take it easy. Brilliant. Cheers, all. Yeah. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.